Welcome to episode 95 of Talking Wild Madness. This is Adam. It's been a hell of a week. Uh, we're back in the caravan, myself, Talara, and Wilco. We are back in the caravan. The, the, the caravan's claim to fame is it's absolutely wonderful if you don't like plumbing, electricity, uh, or running water. Uh, but it it retains its quaint, uh, its quaint cabin-like thing, whatever that thing is. I enjoy it. We have we have people staying in the house, Airbnb people staying in the house, and tomorrow uh, we're heading up to Perth. I've got three gigs on in Perth. Uh, I was going to go and play on Wednesday, which was St Patrick's Day, uh, at a place called the Galway Hooker, which is is an Irish bar in Scarborough on the beach in Western Australia. But I had to teach two classes at uni on on Wednesday down in Albany, so um, I I turned those down. And we had a Netflix and cinema class. We we've done the Lady from Shanghai and the Imitation of Life, and uh, the first three episodes of Orange Is the New Black. So I'm, I'm very much enjoying that. Uh, and tomorrow, oh, and I did Shakespeare. We did another. Uh, play analysis of three different versions of Macbeth, one of which was an Irish production where they used mainly Indian men in, in drag uh, for all the female parts. So that was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. The three witches scenes were literally three 40-year-old Indian men in saris uh, dancing, uh, but it was quite beautiful. It's quite beautiful. I still am pinching myself that I'm teaching Shakespeare. At, uh, at university it's up it i hopefully none of the administration from from university is listening but if you are uh, veronica or jennifer uh, i really appreciate giving me the opportunity it's it's uh, the thrill it really is a thrill of, of a lifetime to be able to do it um macbeth i i've always been more of a hamlet man than anything else of all the plays but um i've been i've been listening to and reading macbeth probably in depth now for the last two weeks and uh, oh man, it sinks in, and it it. I have been feeling. Uh, I said this to my girlfriend uh, Talara that I have been feeling extremely uh, existential. Uh, you know, and I, I'm I'm the worst for that anyway. But I've been just feeling it very heavily, but in an unusually freeing sense as well. And there's a there's a big um, there's a big theme of time running through. Macbeth, and particularly that that speech that we talked about in the last podcast about tomorrow, tomorrow, and tomorrow, and every the poor player frets upon the st- his hour upon the stage, uh, told tale told by an idiot signifying nothing, and then I was reminded of the Louis C.K. stand-up bit where he said, uh, "Do you know what happens after you die?" And he said, "Everything happens after you die. Uh, they have the Super Bowl, uh, Thanksgiving. Everyone has a Thanksgiving dinner." And, which is basically just saying, just you know, the world keeps rolling, everything keeps turning, and there was that element in Macbeth where, uh, where where Macbeth was talking about tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, it just keeps coming, it just keeps coming and coming and coming, and I've had this feeling of, usually, uh, not usually, when I was a lot uh, younger, and that's not to say that the thought was was immature, but when I was in my late twenties, I had this almost terror the time was running out and I needed to, to live and I needed to do things actively and I needed there was a desperation to, to life because it was like this 
um, ticking of the clock. It was this uh, countdown uh, timer. And on one of the stage adaptions that we saw, there was actually a, a two-hour clock that was a digital giant clock on the stage, on the back of the stage wall, counting down to zero. Um, so there was always this sense of time's running out. There's not enough time. Uh, but after kind of getting marinating in Macbeth for the last two weeks, uh, you know, and watching so many different versions, film versions and, and, and stage play versions and well-filmed well versions and not well-filmed versions, watching Fassbender as Macbeth, watching Orson Welles as Macbeth, uh, watching Polanski's Macbeth, watching the, um, what's his name, Chris Eccleston in the Royal Shakespeare Company's version of Macbeth, uh, uh just and then watching the other watching the other versions that I have no idea who the people are, are because they're 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 working theater actors in different countries so uh, but now the existential uh, thought is that there's loads of time I just won't get to participate in it you know there's a finite there's a finite amount that I get to swim in and once I leave it doesn't mean time stops it just means it stops for me but time is just endless. It just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. And maybe, you know, depending on if you're a religious ideologue, depending on what you subscribe to, then maybe maybe you get to come back and have a little bit more time uh, as, as something else or as someone else or, or, or as, a, as a different form. Uh, you might get to be a rock in the Pilbara for a million years uh, before you turn into dust and get blown away and spread out over the Indian Ocean. And then you drift up somewhere and end up in Patagonia being eaten by some weird shellfish that ends up in the belly of a whale. Um, who, you know, who knows? Who knows? But, I mean, time is there. And we have such a, we have such a weird relationship with time we categorize appropriateness to time and there's only there's certain things you're allowed to do if you've had enough time and there are certain things you can't do if you've had too much time and then there are certain things you're not allowed to do if you've had too much time with people that haven't had enough time um, and is there certain things you're not allowed to do with people who've had more time than you i'm not sure i'm, I'm sure there probably is but there um it's a weird feeling it's a freeing feeling where where death doesn't signify the end to the world as I know it because the world will keep continuing even if I'm not around to to witness it uh, the universe will keep will keep rolling which I've known I suppose on a on a on a conscious level but not a, a subconscious level and maybe I don't even know it as a subconscious level but it, it definitely it is a tangible it's a tangible spiritual feeling if there's such a thing um what was the phrase I heard today? When the narrative truth of the world touches the objective truth of the world, um, that that's in yeah, in 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 those moments, is 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 truth, uh, is 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 truth crystallized, is, is pure truth. Who knows? Who knows about these things? The, the we have a small library here in the caravan. We actually made pasta in the caravan on Tuesday because Tuesday's pasta night. Uh, we made some fettuccine, and I think it was, uh, I think it was a very good thing because when I think we think of Italian food, we think of uh, you know grand restaurants, beautiful food, beautiful lavish sauces, creamy sauces, rolling dishes. But really, it's just peasant food, and and it was probably cooked in 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 little caravans like this. And we 
took the pasta machine maker, clamped it to the edge of a camping table, um, got about a cup's worth of flour, two eggs, a dash of salt, a glug of olive oil, and whisked it up and kneaded it in the bowl, let it sit for half an hour, and then rolled out some fresh fettuccine, cooked on the stovetop in the caravan here in about five minutes, made it with some nice sauce, and it was and it was just glorious. Uh, and the, it, it, I'm, the reason I'm mentioning that is because I'm looking at there's a small growing library in the caravan at the moment. Uh, it's got one cookbook by Jamie Oliver called Cook with Jamie, which if you look at it in the wrong light, it kind of looks like it says Cock with Jamie. Uh, but I assure you it says Cook with Jamie. So we've got uh, – that That was the first book I think that came into the caravan. And then there is a uh, autobiography of Brett Whiteley. Uh, if you're listening outside of Australia, or, or you're not, uh, you're not uh, up on the on the on the Australian artists. He's he's probably one of Australia's most celebrated, if not one, if not Australia's most celebrated artists. Uh, he would be in in the same, maybe not necessarily the same school because they're so hard to pin down. But he'd be like a, a Sidney Nolan or, or Brett Whiteley, uh, and I wouldn't even dare to, to try and rattle off a few names because my knowledge of Australian art is is, is quite uh, is is quite shameful. Uh, so that were they were the two books. That was the library consisted of Cooking with Jamie and the unauthorized biography of Brett Whiteley. Um, but now it has grown by three books, and we have. Uh, just added yesterday, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, Love in the Time of Cholera. For anyone who hasn't read that, uh, it's a, a bit of a masterclass on how to open a book. The first 100 pages uh, is is quite marvelous. Then we've got Miles Franklin, My Brilliant Career. I have not read that, but I'm, I got that because my book, Bird, uh, just got put in for the Miles Franklin Award, which is Australia's uh it's like the academy awards for books here in australia so my book bird is is in the running uh, my publisher told me i was 100 to 1 chance to win uh and if you're not in if you're not up on your gambling parlance that basically means adam you have fuck all chance of winning the miles franklin but uh you're in the running so to speak so there was an australian ice skater actually who had a, the same kind of odds to win gold medal at at this speed skating and everyone in the front fell over and he rolled over the finish line first after he hopped over a few of the, um, I don't know if they were Japanese or, or Finnish or Swedish ice skaters and he won the gold medal. So look, if I can, <laughs> I'd be happy if, uh, if something similar happens. I can't remember the name of that Australian ice skater, but he's made a career of going around speaking, uh, going around the speaking tour, like as an inspirational speaker. And the theme of his speech is that he he wasn't good enough to win gold without the, the without the, the all the other competition falling over, but it was it was a hell of a lot of work just to be an Olympic speed skater. Uh, so he felt like he he deserved the win and he was happy to have it. The um, and the last book is is one of my favorite books of all time, which is Patrick White's uh, Boss. And if I can if I can beat my own drum. Uh, or toot my own horn, or, or whatever the uh, whatever the metaphor is. Uh, the last review that Bird got from Germany compared Bird to Patrick White's Voss. So I'm forever now going to be 
no matter if I'm living in the house or in the caravan, I, I'm going to make sure I have a copy of Voss that I can uh, that I can look at. So the caravan is uh, it's humble, it, it, it's humble and kind, like the uh, like that country song that I, I love so much. Uh, we've along with our library, we also have a pantry. Now the pantry is is as humble, if not even. Mm, is it even less or more like the, as the library? We've got a, a big uh, plastic jug of water. We've got about two liters left. Uh, we've got a one liter cardboard uh, f- uh, it, a flask of olive oil, which is from the Frank- Franklin River, which is about 150 kilometers away, 200 kilometers away. And the growing conditions are supposed to be the same as Tuscany around here. So, oh, sorry, around there in the Franklin River. If you go there at the wrong time of the year, everything's all sandy and brown, but it's perfect for olive groves. And this is called, is it Jingali? Jingili, Jingili olive oil. It's absolutely gorgeous. There's a small pestle and mortar, which uh, Talara donated. We got a, uh, a coffee can from Kmart for about $5.00 that has a, a wooden lid and it's like a suction cup. And it's about the size of a big mug. And it was filled with coffee probably over a month ago, I think, since the last time we, we stayed in the caravan. And it was really nice this morning to boil some of the water from the jug on the saucepan, on the stove, and then be able to reach up and grab the little coffee can. Um, and while we were in Kmart uh, a month or so ago, we bought a little coffee plunger. And it was really lovely to be able to get up in the morning um, in the small space and boil some water in a, in a saucepan and make some coffee that you had put there a month ago. Um, and the coffee was all right. I made Talara some uh, toasted cheese sandwich on the pan with a uh, with one fried egg and some Earl Grey tea with a little bit of honey and some of the cold water and a crack of uh, black pepper and rock salt. I was going to put the paprika. We have we have one spice in here at the moment. Sorry, two. We have a, a jar of crushed garlic and we have some smoked uh, Spanish paprika. I was going to put this paprika in the olive oil and then fry the egg, but I thought I might be getting a bit too fancy, so I thought I'd keep it keep it as simple as as possible. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting it's it's an interesting it's an interesting way to live. Like it really is an interesting way to live. So the, the people who are staying in the house, they're going to be leaving tomorrow and we're going to be leaving for Perth tomorrow. And this morning we've got another message from Airbnb and there's a, another family that are going to come in on Friday and they're going to leave on Sunday. So we're coming back on Sunday. So we're going to change some beds tomorrow. Uh, for the people who are about to come, the people that are in there now are about to leave. I'll go up and play some gigs in Perth, uh, and then we'll come back on Sunday, and the house will be empty, so we'll come back into the house. Um, and it's it's. I know it's not for everybody. I know that it's it's a bit of a transient. Uh, some of my friends make fun of me for being a gypsy, uh, but that's okay. I I would I'd rather to do this than go. And do a nine to five, uh, the same the same place every day. So I'm very very grateful, and I'm super grateful that I get to do it uh, with Talara, and I get to do it with with Wilco, although he's getting uh, dog sat uh, over the next three days because we're going to be sleeping in the back of the car because the caravan is not movable. It, it it stays where it is here on the block. 
So adventure abounds. And then when we get back, uh, we, we've just got the editing suite all set up for editing Edward and Isabella. We did our first cutscene. Uh, Talara did the technical work on the machine, and we have our our first uh, scene from the film kind of kind of cut together. I wouldn't even say we had the scene finished, but we have our first cut. We literally have a scene that starts as a master shot, a bit of dialogue, and then the answer to the bit of dialogue is responded to with a close-up shot, and it works seamlessly and, and looks beautiful. Uh, so we're looking forward to putting the rest of the film together, and hopefully, I think we're hopefully trying for a, uh, a June a June release for the movie. But who knows? Who knows what, what will happen? Who knows what will happen in the meantime? My mother called me from Hobart to wish me a happy St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I have mixed feelings about St. Patrick's Day as an Irish person. Um, I have very, very mixed feelings about St. Patrick's Day. I have mixed feelings about the uh, the stereotype of drunken Irish people, and I'm 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 one of the heavyweight champions of the world of drunken Irishness. But there is something there's something a bit that I don't like. Um, so much about it and when I see when I see some of my cousins who look and some of them live in America and some of them live in in Ireland obviously some of them live in different parts of the world when I see them uh, taking photos of themselves looking a bit unhappy and a bit drunk and kind of force feeding themselves booze with big giant green hats on uh, there's something about me that says this is not really representing what Irish people are about but I might be just saying that because I'm now doing two sober days a week, so uh, I'm not sure if if if, if uh, I'm not sure if that's the case. No, but it kind of is the case. It is the case. Um, we have we have such cultural capital. We have such cult cultural uh, depth, and we're a bit like um, the diaspora of Irish people from Ireland. We're a bit like the Jewish people. Wherever the Jewish people go, they just kind of set up their own Jewish universe, their own Jewish world. They bring their culture with them, and they bring their food with them, and they bring their practices with them. And, and Irish people very much do the same. Um, they bring their, their history, and they bring their songs, and they bring their books, and they bring their poetry, and they bring their, their sense of humor. And the Irish sense of humor is, without a doubt, I think the best in the world. Um, I, and I was about to placate that with, by saying one of the best in the world. I was about to mitigate that by saying it's one of the best in the world. But listen, it's hands down the best in the world, with, without a doubt. It's so it's such a good sense of humor, the Irish sense of humor, and the Irish sensibility of Irishness. It's such an amazing, um, uh, charming cultural reality that it actually almost destroys the Irish people in a sense. Uh, because there is so much fun to be had with life and drink and conversation and uh, what conservative Protestants would call fellowship, uh, that it's just intoxicating. And I think Irish people enjoy each other's company kind of the same way Latin Americans enjoy sex with each other. Um, that might be that might be a, a strange thing for people to to hear, but I. I, I firmly I firmly believe that I think Irish people now obviously Irish people are are uh, are not 
um, Irish people are not uh, remiss. Uh, they don't. They don't. Um, what am I trying to say politely? They like fucking. Basically, is what I'm saying. Uh, and even even those uh, staid old black and white pictures of of uh, your great grandfather in County Clare sitting next to his uh, sitting next to his old wizened Irish wife of fifty years. You know, there's there's nine children and thirty seven grandchildren in front of them in the photo. Um, even Irish people, even starving drunk Irish families like to fuck as well. Um, but I think the Brazilians probably have it mastered or do it better, maybe. Um, and I think Irish people are intoxicated with the act of, of conversation, the act of laughter, and the act of the spirit being fully alive uh, and a celebration of being being alive on a, on a regular basis. Um, and that's that's a huge part of, of why I love being Irish. Um and I guess if you are living in this, in this, in this reality of ticking time, and you only get to, you know, your your time only ticks for so long, uh, why not uh, spend it as an Irishman? Mm-hmm.